drag me out of a fucking dressing room and come talk to you guys? What do you want? Huh? What do you want? Huh? Answer a question. What do you want? Huh? Someone gonna ask me a question? I thought I'm leaving. Yeah, ask something. What? So you are the match of the world looking forward to. How was the fight against Kenny Omega? How do you think it was? Huh? How do you think I feel? Huh? One of the greatest matches in the history of Japan, but I lose. Okay? I feel like it's bullshit. This is Kenny Omega's house. It's not a fair crowd. People booing Chris Jericho. People happy and cheering when I lose. This is one of the greatest matches they've ever seen in their lives. And yet they boo Chris Jericho. You know what I have to say? This is what I think of Japan. Okay? Print that. I think the um, biggest difference between last year's Wrestle Kingdom and this year was that there's way more foreign audience out there cheering for your match. Did you feel that? I'm only answering one question per reporter. He had his question. Next question. Don't be greedy. Oh, you showed us the move of Fuyuki. And why did you do that? Or what are your thoughts about that? Because Fuyuki was a real Japanese warrior. He didn't give a shit about press. He didn't give a shit about fans. He was a genius, and I learned a lot from Fuyuki. So much respect for Fuyuki, and no respect for you. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and with me once again, as always, is the janitor himself, Josh Custodio. Justin, I must be an insane person. Yeah, why is that? Justin, I haven't been asleep in uh, about 27 hours, fresh from Japan. I have not been to my own home. I raced here to Studio Skyloft to see my hashtag good friend, JMO Justin Morissette, to do the show that I love to do, because boy... I've got a lot to say. That's true. Yeah, you were at Wrestle Kingdom 12, as we all know, as I informed the people last week, and as, of course, you hyped up in the many weeks before that. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> yeah, and this is not a gimmick. Like, when we were talking about how, uh, you know, we were unstuck in time and somehow transporting across <laughs> continents... We just pre-recorded that show. This is true. This is no gimmick. You just raced straight from the airport to be here <coughs> and talk all about the magnificent trip that you just enjoyed. Call me Dolph Ziggler. No gimmicks here. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll call you Dolph Ziggler also because you went away for a little while <laughs> and it allowed me to, like, miss you a bit. And okay. And then you came back. Yeah. yeah did, did you miss me in the, the time I was gone? Yeah. Actually, I was having a, a, a tournament to determine who would fill the <laughs> vacant host slot. Really? Uh, yeah, I was hoping that as I crowned the new host, yeah. you would then come back to challenge him or, oh. her, or her. Sure, or her. Uh, but you came back too early, so the tournament is still in the planning stages. Okay, well, I'm yeah. glad to know that it is going on. I have to be honest, I don't like my chances against 
really anyone. Okay. So if you could find like the opposite of the cream of the crop for this tournament, I'm I'm trying the to the bottom of the barrel. Maybe a mute. A mute could be good. As okay. Like a, just somebody who can't talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I could beat them as a podcast maybe host. Maybe someone who like had their tongue cut off. Yeah, yeah. Also, someone who had their tongue cut off. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, someone who doesn't speak English. Also, uh, so as long as that's sort of the field we're dealing with, I feel pretty secure in my spot here. On okay, Top okay, Marks. okay. Uh, well, I missed you, JMO. I missed doing the show when I left Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I, I was thinking, boy, I want to, I want to talk about this into a microphone. And now here I am to do it. Yeah, I, I should let the people know uh, that this is now exclusively a New Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's all we're going to talk about forever going forward. We no longer discuss the WWE. No, it's uh, it's dead to me now. I have no need for it in my life now that I've seen the light and, uh, and know that there is a true product that is made for me out there somewhere in the world. For those people who didn't know that we used to talk about WWE, because as we know, every episode is somebody's first time listening. And last. And last, of course. (laughs) Uh, What is it that we do here on Top Marks? Justin, fill the in. Each and every week, you and I uh, break down the top three stories in the world of professional wrestling for no longer than 15 minutes at a time, which is, of course, the same length as... Oh, it's got to be a WCW TV title match. You are correct once again, my friend. Woo! Now, uh, what are our top three stories this week? Well, Justin, round number one, there, there's no getting around this. We're going to review Wrestle Kingdom 12, uh, live from the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo. Uh, we're going to go through the matches, give our overall impressions of the card, give it a letter grade, talk about what matches we enjoyed or didn't enjoy, all that fun stuff. And we're going to be joined to do that yes. uh, by a gentleman who joined us before you left for Japan as Correct. well, and that is your friend and mine, my roommate and sort of boss, I guess, in some ways, too. Uh, the, Let's the, not get into that. <laughs> He's, they have a weird sex relationship. Yeah. yeah. That's what they're alluding to. Mike Noble is back. Mike, uh, welcome back to the show. Hello, glad to be here. Yeah, you also are fresh off the plane. But I am. Uh, unlike Josh, you slept on the plane. I slept for probably about 98% of that flight, and I feel great. He got the window seat. Ah. But that was negotiated because Josh got the window seat on the way there. Ah. That's exactly true. <laughs> Round number two, Justin, we're going to talk specifically about Chris Jericho. Christopher Jericho. You know him, yes? Yes, the patron saint of uh, New Japan at the moment. He basically. really is. Uh, he, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about Alpha Omega in that first round. We're going to save it for the second round, give our impressions there. He's also spun off into some other feuds. He's sticking around. He's sticking around in New Japan. Not only did I watch Wrestle Kingdom 12 live as it aired from the Tokyo Dome, you are the man, up man. all night long to you do are so. Great. Uh, the very next night, I was like, hell, let's do it all again, player. I watched New Year's Dash as did well. You? The very next night. And uh, Chris Jericho, he made an appearance on that show. There's things happening with him. He is not going anywhere. He might be in New Japan for a good four or five months at this point. That is exciting to me. And we'll get more into that in round two. And then in round number three, Justin, we're going to talk about, uh, well, something happened on Monday Night Raw this week. It actually began last week, but you wouldn't know that because you were in Japan. Yeah, I haven't watched the last two Raws or SmackDown. Yeah, only, yeah. Uh, like me. <laughs> <laughs> We've traded roles on the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think that these things three topics might be related in some way. Yeah. Because as we've seen, the rise of New Japan is perhaps a viable threat to WWE's kind of corporate hegemony. Uh, Like, they're, they're realizing that, hey... 
Japanese wrestling and things that happen in New Japan are exciting. They're they're a viable draw. Yeah. And we're sitting on one of the big ones right now doing absolutely fuck all with it. So round number three, we're going to talk about that thing, which is, of course, the formation of Bullet Club in WWE, or The Club, maybe they're calling the it. The Balor Club is basically what it is. Well, there you go. Yeah. What a name. Yeah. Um, Just I mean, good. The Club or Balor Club, whatever you want to call it. I, I guess technically there was a WWE Twitter account. I'm not sure which one. It was like WWE Ireland or oh, something. Okay, you know how yeah. they have all these like country-specific right. accounts? Yeah. Called it the Bullet Club oh. on their corporate Twitter. Did that tweet get deleted? I or think, it? yeah. That got, that ah, got, uh, that's funny. That got shuffled away because that's a no-go right there. You can't, uh, you can't, I mean, you can allude to it. Yes, yeah. But you can't outright say it, I don't think. Uh, I guess not. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. So those will be our three rounds, 15 minutes apiece. As requested, I'm going to be bringing back Keep It or Kick It and Sunday Night Tweet this week. We're back with a vengeance for our first live episode of 2018. And Justin, I'm fired up. Now, before we dive right into round number one, Josh, oh, okay. was there anything that you wanted to follow up on? Because I know that you listened to the last couple episodes while you were on yeah, the plane. Yeah, I listened to our, our best of the years. And boy, my main takeaway was, man, I made some great picks. <laughs> I... Uh, I gotta tell you, well, some some of those choices from out of left field, but really just on the money. So a pat on the back to me, a job well done. Uh, yeah, that that would be my main follow up. Oh. How about you, Justin? I mean, I was kind of regretting maybe <laughs> a little bit having chosen Bray Wyatt as my most underrated for 2017. Yeah, but then I listened to. Uh, the the worst of the year show that Post Wrestling put out, which is the new uh, John Pollock and Wei Ting. I don't know who those project. guys are. Yeah. Uh, and every single one of those guys, including our old friends uh, Jason Agnew and Dan Lebransky. Can I do my Dan Lebransky impression? Sure, do it. Do it. I don't know what's going on in wrestling, Jay. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great impression. <laughs> Thank you. They all chose Bray Wyatt as their worst wrestler of the year. Hmm. And I felt uh, I felt vindicated. I felt sure. like I had made the correct choice. Yeah. If that's the consensus that he sucks ass to that extent, <laughs> he probably is the most underrated. Uh, I felt like uh, my wrestler of the year uh, was maybe incorrect even. I, I kind of feel like maybe it should have been uh, Okada or Omega looking back, but who knows? Oh, so you've been... Tinted. Yeah, uh, I know. I wonder how much you're is that. These Japanese tinted glasses now. Well, I, everything that you do. I do wear sunglasses indoors now. Yeah, uh, I've come back. That's a new <laughs> thing that I do. I mean, you're very tired, so it's understandable <laughs> that you need to keep the light out of your eyes a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, hmm, what else? Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about the fact that you, you and I, before you went away, were very fired up about this uh, Matt Hardy Bray Wyatt feud as oh, a possibility yeah, yeah. of like reinvigorating these two guys. And it is just going nowhere, my dude. Is it not? It is. They have, I mean, maybe there is a clear direction for this that they are, like, tiptoeing towards because they don't want to rush into oh, it. No. But, man, it is, it's not, it's not great right now. Have they had an in-ring confrontation yet? Uh, no, they have not touched each other. Though They were in the ring at the same time this past Monday. Okay. They just laughed in each other's faces until the segment ended. Was it good or it, bad? No, it's bad. Oh, it's no. a lot of just laughing. Uh. It's not going well. Uh. I'm not... I'm not enjoying it, which oh, means this maybe, is bad maybe Bray Wyatt is the worst. No, then. no, he isn't, J-Mo. <laughs> we, we have to listen. We, there's, a, there's a keep it or kick it about this today. Maybe we can expand on it a little bit. All right. Well, we will get there when we get there. But in the meantime, why don't we kick things off with, with round, round number one. Round one. Fight. Oh. Justin, do you remember the, uh, the old Japan? 
uh, old Japan. Yeah, the feudal kingdoms, the samurai. Yeah, sure. I think I've seen it in cartoons, and uh, in particular, like the third Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The people love that they get one. Sucked into like a, a, a <laughs> lantern, I think, and <laughs> spit back out into feudal Japan. Yeah, see, I feel like people romanticize old Japan mm. because I can tell you firsthand that new Japan. Is excellent. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's good to hear. Well, how about we dive into this Wrestle Kingdom 12 card? Uh, I'll say a match and we can sort of say what we thought about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, we should establish context. And I talked about this in the intro to last week's show, but you guys kind of blind bought your tickets through like the Japanese equivalent of StubHub, basically. It it, it was pretty wild. It was was an adventure getting them, but everything worked out and they worked out better than expected. Yeah, because you didn't even know that you had floor seats until you got to the show. Here was what happened. We, We walked into the building. Building and we had our ticket, which is, of course, written in Japanese. And uh, we sort of walk up to the, the usher, and he says, well, okay, no, you got to go further down. This is at the top of the arena. We get to the next usher, further down, next usher, further down. We're now on the floor, and homeboy's still saying further down. Our minds are getting blown. It is so exciting. Yeah, we had very good seats for wrestling. Yeah, Kingdom Josh well. was actually, like, the most stereotypically, like, jaw-dropped, agape, wide-eyed person I've ever seen in my life. I yeah. thought I was going to cry. How could you not, man? You were, I could see from your photos, after the end of Omega Jericho, Jericho, like, walked up the ramp that was right next to you. Yeah. He was, like, probably 10 feet away. I two-sweeted a young buck. That's crazy, yeah, bud. Was, we couldn't figure out which Jackson it was, but it was one of them. That's right, yeah. All yeah. right, well, let's dive right into this card. And speaking of the young bucks, they kicked us off, basically, if we're... Just going to ignore the, the rumble. Yeah, does anyone yeah, have anything to say about the rumble? No, it's I mean, just a kind of it – it's a, a warm-up, right? It's, yeah. It's a, you know, it's a good opener to get the crowd energized by some big-time like cameos, but it's a nothing match, and all of the eliminations were terrible, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say this here, actually. You say get the crowd energized, and Mike, I think you might echo me here. I know everybody knows this, the quiet Japanese crowd, right? Uh, that was that took some getting adjusting to for me uh, watching wrestling in this because it was in a building with what was the final number something around forty thousand people 45, forty five thousand thirty five I think thirty five oh. paid it was uh, like forty three ah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay somewhere around let's say forty thousand people and it literal silence during a bunch of matches like in this mm. giant that's the biggest quietest group of people and that took some some getting used to but it's it's not uh, that they're bored it's that they're fully absorbed by yeah it. exactly. that's right it feels exactly. more intense I, I don't know quite how to. Best put this, but I wonder, Mike, did you feel the same? That it felt very focused. Um, it felt very focused, and I think it was a lot of like the crowd wasn't trying to make it about themselves. They wanted it to be about the wrestlers. Um, one of my favorite things uh, that the crowd would do is to show support of a wrestler. You would cheer. <laughs> you would just yell their name, like their first name. So like, there Kenny, be, Kenny, <laughs> or like Naito. It was it was extremely <laughs> funny. Yeah, you could hear that a lot. On yeah, the exactly. TV and it side. might be weird out of context, but like, it's like that's how people cheer for them. No, it's yell great. their name. I love it. Yeah. No, it's, because like, fuck. I've said this before. I go to a house show in Vancouver or wherever, in Abbotsford. You know, Apollo Crews is wrestling Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. I want to get into this match. I want to cheer for Apollo Crews. But he doesn't have a chance. Yeah, right. Just yell Apollo. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Just be like, Apollo! <laughs> That's what it would exactly. be. Exactly. <laughs> so, Justin, what did you think of this Young Bucks vs. Roppongi 3K match? What did uh, you think of this? It was a perfect opener to the show. Yeah. A high-energy match. And I don't, I, I'm not super familiar with the Young Bucks outside of, like, their their cultural presence basically. right yeah so yeah, yeah. i'm i know who they are and i've seen them on tv before on ring of honor or whatever but i don't know that i've ever actually watched a young bucks match from start to finish before and as someone who's basically seen them in action for the first time
time. I was really surprised at like the psychology and storytelling mm-hmm. of this match. I thought it was very well done. Uh, I thought there were a lot of like excellent spots and just a clean and coherent story from start to finish that even if you don't know anything about these teams, you can easily read into what is, what is going on here. Totally. I actually felt like the that match, relative to some of their other matches, felt almost like an answer to their criticisms, or mm-hmm. to their critics, rather. Uh, it seemed like they were working a bit of a slower pace at times, uh, really selling the back. I think it was Matt Jackson selling his lower back, like can't go for the suplex. I enjoyed the match, Mike. Yeah, the same thing, just echoing what you guys said. Like I remember uh, Rapongi 3K did that double dive outside, and Yo, I believe it was, was selling his back. And like the thing that sold it for me at the end, it's like it's, when they hit the Meltzer driver, they didn't go for a pin, they went for a sharpshooter. Because they're like, yeah, we're targeting the lower back this yeah. entire match. This is going to get him to finish it. The, the, the funniest part of this match for me was a, a tweet that was sent out by Andrew Goldstein, who's a former WWE <laughs> oh, writer, I saw this. Uh, who, who wrote, Last Wrestle Kingdom note, the Young Bucks are wildly overrated. They just are. Yes, everything evolves, but while their spin on the art form wows physically, same time it fails emotionally. Nothing they do tugs at the heartstrings or gut punches you. It's just an adrenaline rush. Sorry. And then, and then the replies. Oh, boy. Watching Matt stop Nick from tapping out. Out, pulled on my heartstrings, and he says, "That sounds great. Send me the link." To which the response is, "Matt and Nick, you guys. He didn't even watch the match." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course that was the spot happened in this exact match that he was bitching about, which is a revival spot. I thought uh, sort of extending their feud with the revival, the whole FTR thing. Uh, that's from uh, the DIY revival match where they're they're holding each other's hands, pulling them off. So yeah. so good stuff. But yeah, there were a number of replies that were like, "I loved this emotional moment," and he was like, "Send me the link. Would love to watch that match." And people were like, "Hint, it's in the match you're talking about right fucking now, you yeah, idiot. You just yeah. saw it." So uh, yeah, like if you if you're gonna shit on the Bucks for a lack of psychology, you've just seen their gifts. You're not watching yeah. their matches. Yeah, you're a silly boy. Great open, great open. Yeah, hot start. Yeah, and even if they are just an adrenaline shot, isn't that what you want? to open a show yeah I, I think I think a lot of the criticism of the young bucks are valid for myself and my preferences in wrestling but I don't think a lot of them could apply to this match I just think that this show top to bottom was full of different styles and different uh, like ways of, of wrestling basically yeah so that if you are a fan of the art form no matter what style is your preference you're going to come away satisfied having seen something great because Unlike a WWE pay-per-view, they fully allowed every single match on this card to hit its highest potential. It, it really did. Whereas, like, I feel like so often WWE is going to clip the wings of its undercard so that nothing outshines the main event. Mm-hmm. Let's move on here, guys, to the, the six-man, the, the gauntlet match. We have the, a lot of ground to cover here, so let's speed through some of these. Yeah, this uh, one, yeah. I, I don't have a lot to say. This was Chaos, Bullet Club, uh, War Machine. Lots of people. Suzuki guy. Um, Michael Elgin fucking ate shit in front of that crowd super bad like i know that you were talking about how they're just quiet sometimes but like he got no response whatsoever mm-hmm. save for when he like actively like was Tried soliciting it. applause yeah. as he did his like strongman suplex sequences um my two big spots that i enjoyed in this gauntlet was uh uh ryosuke taguchi doing the nakamura impression the bum ia which josh coined i Thank thought you. that was quite funny he was funny in general, yeah um the funky weapon he's great and uh ishii suplexing Fale was great that was great uh, i'd like to add zack saber jr selling of the strikes in that match was really mm. fun looked like he was getting shot mm-hmm. justin anything stand out to you in this match Mike? uh not really it's kind of hazy in my memory at this yeah. point as we're like a week removed from it toru yano getting two eliminations was dope yeah, <laughs> yeah they, that definitely were something <laughs> it was it, but it was fun like yeah. there's there's there was no bad match on this card 
but there were some spots where maybe you could uh, go make some popcorn or take a bathroom break or something, and that this might be one of them. But that's not to discredit it. It was still super entertaining. Yeah. Justin, I feel like in this next match, uh, you get to be validated and sort of rub some salt in, in my wounds and call me an idiot or something, because I thought uh, Cody Rhodes and Kota Ibushi had uh, a really good match. The handsome a, battle. The handsome battle. It might have been, uh, I don't know, it's in my top three in terms of matches on this card. I, I thought it was just excellent. The, I mean, everyone knows this, but that crossroads to the floor was... Dude, I lost my fucking mind. It was shocking. Can I yeah. swear on this show? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no swearing, actually. I lost my flipping mind. Thank you, yeah. Now, granted, a lot of people were like, well, I shouldn't be surprised that Ibushi was able to get a quality match out of Cody Rhodes. Given no, he fuck got that. A, given he got a quality match out of a blow-up doll. But it's like, no, you cannot undercut what Cody brought to yeah. this match as well. The, that crossroads to the outside was maybe the most devastating spot on this entire show. Like it, it was, it's up there. Yeah, it's top three. Yeah, it was, it was a great match. Again, great psychology. I love the stuff on the outside yep. with Brandy acting as a distraction, the fake and, being hurt, and then the two ah. of them like cackling like Batman <laughs> villains. Basically, I love. There was a lot of good stuff on this show, like that moment that like were super fun because it's cheese mm -hmm. and like. If you do cheese stuff sincerely, it works. It's good, and then like it, 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 re it gets a reaction that is what you want as far as reactions go. And again, to you know, cross-examine this show relative to what WWE does, I feel like they do not allow their performers to take these risks to be cheesy. Uh, basically, because they're worried that it might come off as like lame, yeah. right? And yeah. that's and that's a risk that you need to be willing to take. And I think it's a big difference too in like how they've handled Woken Matt versus what he yeah. did on his own. Instead, basically. they're just written as cheese balls. Exactly. Uh, let's move on here, guys. Evil and Sonata versus Davy Boy Smith and Lance Archer. Um, what do you think here, Justin? Watching this one, how did it come across? Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. this is still. I watched this match, uh, I watched this whole show with my old roommate, and we had no idea going into this, like, any of the storylines, nothing. This was my first time watching a New Japan show from front to back, and Graham had never watched New Japan at all. And again, like, all of this stuff just, like, the in the presentation and, like, the way guys act in the ring, you don't need to know the stories coming in right. to pick up what's going on. And I was really impressed with both Evil and Sonata. I thought uh, that those two guys put on a hell of a show, and if Sonata is going to be the next match for Okada. I'm super into that. Handsome guy, Sonata. Yeah. Good looking cat. Mike, what did you think about this match? I enjoyed it. I thought it was the right... Uh, I, I was so amped from Ibushi Cody, so I just kind of needed a bit of a filler. Yeah. That was sort of um, my feeling, it was, too. It was a great match. Um, part of me was a bit removed because Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, are, like in my mind, are still kind of like WWE rejects. So I'm kind of just like, oh, how invested can I get? But it was a great match. Evil and Sonata have like so much potential. And Davey Boy just looks so much like his dad. So it's crazy. Dude, it's shocking. Like he looks exactly like, like the clone, old man. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. freaky. Uh, I'll say that this is probably the match I was least into on the card. I think mm -hmm. part of that was placement. I, I, I don't really know, but I, I wasn't that into this match. Uh, yeah. but my, my least invested match is coming up in a little bit here, but oh. uh, yeah, I'll we'll, stay we'll, tuned. We'll, we'll get there when we get Better there. Better not be a good one, bud. Uh, Goto versus Suzuki, the hair match. I thought this was great. Oh, my God. Just two guys punching the shit out of each other. Like, 
this was probably the stiffest match on the entire card. Yeah. There were moments where like your jaw just dropped some of the strikes that they were taking directly to the face. Yeah. I mean, I, I was blown away by this match. This might be my match of the night uh, when it's all said and done. I was, Michael, tell you, freaking out in person. Our section afterwards, I have a discussion if we liked Cody Ibushi or this match. And I, I thought it was a no-brainer that this match was better. And I greatly enjoyed Cody versus Ibushi. But this was... Fucking brutal. This was two dudes who were like, okay, so we're just going to forearm each other in the head, do some top rope shit. I loved this match. And I thought the ending was Suzuki coming back, hits the the chair that Goto yeah. had set up for him out of the way, sets his own, give me those damn clippers, buzzes his own head. I thought it was awesome. It was, uh, it was like an honorable samurai sort of moment. It did feel know? like that, and, didn't and it? And it got a big emotional reaction even from me and Graham, and ha- we had no idea. Yeah who these characters were, basically. Yeah, yeah, you guys stuff. touched on everything I was going to touch on, but I really like how it was, like, two old dudes being like, let's show these young kids how it's done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think I think that's totally true. Uh, let's move on here, Justin. I don't think there's any way you could have been bored during Will Ospreay versus Marty Skrull, Takahashi, and Kushida. What did you think of this, this one? This is my match of the night. Oh, yeah! yeah. I, uh, this was my five-star barn burner. Here I we absolutely go. love this match. Now, granted, I took a lot of criticism in my, like, DM chat group of people being like, I just fucking hate these British guys, and I was super disappointed because I wanted the Japanese dudes in this match to have more of a prominent position. And I understand that. And But one of the criticisms was, like, if you see these British dudes wrestle, you've one match, you've seen them all. And I have not seen a Will Ospreay match ever before in my life, so maybe the cheeky Nandos is an overused <laughs> spot in these matches, but it was new for me, and it was just brutal kicks one after another after another that got a visceral reaction. The, look, there, every single match on this card at one point got a real genuine reaction. We were, like, screaming watching this show yes. at yes. fucking four in the morning, but I don't think there was a spot that got a bigger reaction from a more simple action other than Marty Squirrel doing like the finger breaking spot where he just <laughs> wrenches the finger after going screw you bud oh, and then just, I don't even know who he did it now? to but uh, yeah I, I was watching the show in my villain club shirt yes and I thought that Will Osprey stole the show the flip off of the barricade was incredible he just had so many outstanding like parts of the match uh he was a star to me they all were stars kushida was fucking awesome also yes. top rope armbar man that yeah. so i lost sick. my mind um but but like yeah for me uh, th- like i just love the fact that you compare what these guys were able to do to the clear cap that WWE puts on its cruiserweights. These guys stole the show, and the cruiserweights would never be allowed to do that. I'd like to say two quick things on this match. One, uh, Marty Skrull, as I've said on the show a million times, one of my favorite guys outside of WWE, uh, the crowd knew his finger break spot. Usually he has to feed to the crowd and tell them to go, shh, and look around. The crowd did that without him prompting them as soon as he grabbed Osprey's hands, which I thought was great. And then secondly, people saying that if you've seen one British guy wrestle, you've seen them all. What a horrible criticism that is. Even within that match, Osprey and Skrull have about as exact opposite styles as you could possibly have, being a high flyer and a Matt wrestler. Matt, or rather Mike, any uh, any big takeaways from this? Um, reading, like, obviously going into it, I wasn't as, like, knowledgeable about these four competitors as, like, the main events. But after reading afterwards, people were saying, like, they were kind of disappointed because it was supposed to be Takahashi's time. Like, Takahashi Ooh. is, like, the 
next big junior heavyweight. Yeah. And they thought, so it's kind of like... Uh, and he kind of got taken out of the match a couple yeah, times. Yeah, and I, I, and I think... tied I, up on the barrier. I think that's my one thing that holds it away from being my match of the night, just because I don't like it when someone's so obviously removed and they're going to get like a really great comeback spot yeah, kind of thing. I guess I think there is some credence to maybe being disappointed that Hiromu wasn't more involved in the match, but it was still... It was an incredible, inc- match. insane match. I was losing my mind. Yeah, I just want to also say on the flight home, I listened to Kenny Omega on Chris Jericho's podcast talking about uh, the Wrestle Kingdom 12 card, and they both threw some shade at this match, saying that of course these guys had to do every single move known in pro wrestling. It's hard to you know be a match after this when the crowd's already seen so much. Count on the fucking junior guys to to do all this, and I thought that was interesting. I mean. Technically, like up and down this whole card, I'm pretty sure everybody was getting their shit in. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. I thought it was awesome. It's this not match. like Omega and Jericho didn't go way over their time limit. And Skrull's entrance? Come on. And Josh uh, cried during this match. I don't know about that, bud. During the the I did the junior heavyweight. I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I cried. When? I when Skrull did the finger break. Oh yeah. fuck yeah! I consoled him. It was beautiful. Yeah, was Mike literally moment. put his arm on me and said, "I love you, man." <laughs> You know, was, what, you know what, boys? It was extremely late. <laughs> we've, we've gone over our 15-minute time limit, but this is a card that is so jam-packed that let's just keep it right Are we going, going to overtime? We're going to overtime. We've never done this, j well, We're doing it right oh, now. Man. What does this even look like? I don't know. We'll Wh- find out. What do I do with my hands? Keep going. Keep reading the card, uh, bud. Okay, bud. Uh. Let's move on. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeats Jay White. This was my uh, bathroom break. This was the least interested I was in anything that happened. Jay White, this character... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about him. This is my first time seeing him, but everybody told me that he was like a very promising young lion who went away and then came back and was given this switchblade spot on the card. Switchblade character. Uh, it didn't work for me. I didn't really feel this match at all. I wasn't into either of the characters really. Uh, I thought it was the worst match on the show. Yeah, uh, I, I sort of echo that, though. I don't think I disliked it as much as you. But again, I think when I'm reviewing this card, it's hard for me to really isolate anything as much as just this like big event. Like This is one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. Uh, I did think uh, Jay White's entrance and look is so something I respond to. Like I love wrestlers generally that look and act like that, so I was very into that. That, like Mike said, what an opportunity placement on the card. I didn't think the match totally delivered, but I also thought after the four-way... You did need something to, to slow it down yeah, a little bit. bit. So I, I thought they, they did that spot, but totally, I think it was definitely. I could fully understand somebody saying that, that was their least favorite on the card for sure. Yeah, like, can you imagine following that four way and have everyone in the audience knowing Omega Jericho is coming up next? Yeah. Like, it's not a great place to be. I thought it was a perfectly fine match. Like, it's probably Tanahashi's worst Wrestle Kingdom match, I guess, because of like his Okada series and all that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like. I think Jay White showed he can hang and he showed he could prove himself and he showed he's like responsible or like he can be put in those, into those positions. Um, but it wasn't a really great showing for him, mainly because the crowd was dead. I felt like the crowd was really not into this match. Yeah, well, they didn't really know his spots, and like and he I just, just I, came back. I just yeah. felt like with that character, he needed to be more vicious. Yeah, yeah, yes. I agree, Justin. I agree with that entirely. Like, uh, it didn't feel like the presentation matched what he was doing in the ring. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Will you give him another kick at the can? Yeah, and I've, I've been told by people who I trust that like New Japan is reliably good for figuring out what's not working and tweaking it, yeah. Instead of just continuing to push something that's well, not like even Jay White fly. following up a New Year's Dash. I don't know if he has really touching on it, but yeah. like it looks like they got it way more sorted out, and um, things are looking good for the kid. 
The kid. The kid, Jay White. <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk much about Alpha Omega here. We'll get to it next round, but uh, worth saying that it was on the card. And, yes. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it was there. there I'm not going to be joining you guys for the next round, but it was my match of the night. Hey. I just want to put that in there. And, I, and look, I ran a poll on the Top Marks Twitter. It ran away with the vote. More than 50% people said... Yeah, that that was the that was the and one. Somebody pretty right prominent there. also uh, agreed. But we'll touch on that next round. Uh, let's talk about the main event: Okada Naito. Justin, I was super super stoked for this match, my dudes. I gotta say that, like you know, as much as I went in buying the hype on uh, on Omega Jericho, that I like that's what drew me in. I was pretty confident that Naito Okada was going to blow my fucking mind you were ready to love this yeah because you know all i've heard is that okada is the like surefire best wrestler in the world and that naito is right up there with him maybe even better yeah Uh, and i just wanted to be blown away by both of these guys maybe it's the fact that they were following omega jericho but i just thought the opening 15 minutes of this match was so Fucking boring. Oh, here it we go. It was awful. Like, he's just rolling out of the ring and avoiding any confrontation, and they're just taking it slow. Did it pick up in the end? Absolutely. The final 10 minutes of this match are incredible. But you cannot follow up a classic like that with as slow of a pace as they worked for the first 15. Maybe it's the fact that I'm watching this at 5 in the morning <laughs> and I have not gone to sleep, but I was like, I just, I felt really, really bored after an emotional high point on the show. And uh, I honestly fell asleep watching it the first time. And when I watched it again in the afternoon, I still had just the hardest time connecting with the opening 15 minutes of this match. It's a very, very fair criticism. I looked to our friend Max, who we were also there with, and I said, uh, when I think Naito again, maybe like the second or third time, rolled out of the ring and strolled around. I said, they've got to pick this up. Like, I felt a restlessness in the building. Like, people really... And people were so with Naito in this match. It was crazy how over Naito was. He was so beloved. And people And so it felt felt not... uh, It wasn't dovetailing for some reason. What the crowd wanted and what was happening wasn't working. Now, I still felt a level of investment at this point that I didn't find it boring. But it definitely needed something in the beginning to to really set the stage for what was to come. Because I think everybody agrees the back half of that match was was really excellent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I echo those sentiments. I think the the notable spot in the first half is the top rope reverse or second rope reverse Frankenstein. Yeah. Actually, on the rewatch, I noticed it was second instead of top rope. But yeah, it, I think Ooh. they intentionally um, kind of started with a slower pace because they were following uh, Alpha Omega. But due to that, it kind of got lost in translation. Um, and the other thing about the match is I thought it ended a bit early. Yeah. Um, I thought it could have gone for like another 10 minutes. It's because like, it only really it. got going. Yeah. It felt like it had really picked up and now it was over. It felt like a weirdly paced match just throughout for me with its very slow beginning, mm-hmm. unbelievable explosion, but then ending. I I definitely think it could have gone longer now, as well. I don't know. Does does like the dramatic moments of the final ten minutes? Would that be undercut if they like came out of the gates firing? You know. I think yes, if you fire at that octane, but I still think you need to go faster than they did in the very beginning. I, th- I think you could probably do it where they come out of the gates strong and then exhaust themselves and then 
pick back up. That's well, that's actually what kind of happened because when we rewatched it when we were in Osaka, there there was like the rolling out of the ring things for the first little bit. But like once they started picking up, like it was like do you remember the sequence where they were dodging and like Naito jumped through Okada's legs? Yeah, <clears throat> and there was a miss sent on and stuff like that. That started picking it up for me, and then they just went back down. Yeah, we found this pro wrestling bar in Osaka that was showing Wrestle Kingdom like two days after. So we got to rewatch the top two matches on the card. I have which... a funny story from that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It, not from that night. I told this story to Josh. He was like, you should tell that on the podcast because it's it. great. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I can't think of it right now. So it's the first. it was my second time at this bar. Um, the, the first time I went there is the last time I was in Osaka. And basically, um, it's a place where a lot of like pro wrestlers and pro wrestling fans hang out. And there's a wrestler who wrestled for mm. Dragon Gate. Yeah, Josh is remembering and laughing now. There's a wrestler who wrestled for Dragon Gate in Japan. He was like a lower card jobber. I can't remember. Jobber. Um, I can't remember his name exactly right now, but if you showed me a picture of him, I'd be like, yeah, it's that guy. Okay. So we showed up, and I was with my girlfriend at the time. Or at the time, she's still my girlfriend. But, but I was at the time, you were with uh, your Yeah, girlfriend. exactly. You're and still with her, but yeah. she but was there at the time. Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he showed up in this bar, and we were watching like Lucha Underground or something and just like kind of drinking. And he gave po- signed posters to everyone in the room. <laughs> and then he asked the bartender if he could put on his most recent match. <laughs> So Imagine bar- doing that. So the bartender's like, yeah, dude, sure, whatever. And like, he's a jobber, so he's just getting like tossed around in this match. And then he took a power bomb, and then he started a holy shit chant in the bar. At his own himself. match. <laughs> Imagine walking into a bar being like, put on my match, and you're watching it. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> holy. That's exactly what happened. He's trying to get himself over. Yeah, I anyways, respect it. God sidebar. Bless Sorry for the tangent. No, yeah. it's great. Great place. Count 2.99. Shoutouts in Osaka. Yeah, extremely fun. Uh, worth worth visiting. Yeah. Okada Naito, I think they're going to have a rematch. I think they're main eventing Wrestle Kingdom uh, next year. Again. Oh, yeah. It, it's, that's, like, that's their bread and butter. Like, Okada Tanahashi went three times. Yeah. Okada finally only won on the third time. Yeah, honestly, I, I had said that, you know, when we were talking, I was talking about All In yesterday with uh, this same chat group that fucking threw me under the bus for loving the junior heavyweight match. Uh, and I had said that like 10,000 should be attainable for Cody and the Bucks when you consider the fact that, you know, this was a Wrestle Kingdom show that sold 10,000 more tickets than the previous two, basically. Yeah. Uh, that drew a lot of outside eyeballs, both in, in terms of sold New Japan World subscriptions, as well as, you know, one of the whitest crowds for Wrestle Kingdom ever. Like, it was pretty tourist heavy. It didn't feel that way. In, I felt like... Yeah, you could usually tell the tourists because they're all wearing Bullet Club shirts. <laughs> yeah, that was that, maybe that's just how it seemed on TV, though, because it's, it was like every time they went to a crowd shot, it was... Like uh, a you know a bunch of bunch of gringos out there just uh, or gaijins rather. I, dare you. I was actually thinking about this too because I remember like reflecting back to us purchasing tickets. Yeah. So the way it works is that there's arena A and arena B, which I now realize were exclusively floor tickets. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have an option of buying lower or upper bowl when we went to go buy those tickets. So I think that's why a lot of the crowd shots show a lot of foreigners because obviously we went through the same avenues that they did. Okay. So I think that I think so there might it, be a bit of a rhyme or reason. So it that. wasn't a particularly white crowd then, because I was told that like the reason why like, there were a lot of white. But people. the reason why the ticket jump was so significant is not Omega Jericho. It's the fact that Naito versus uh, Okada is like the biggest match that they've ran in a decade. I mean, I was 
absolutely floored by the amount of LIJ supporters. Like, we would it's, be just walking around Tokyo and people would be wearing, like, LIJ hats or shirts or whatever. I and, was wearing my LIJ shirt and people were, like, all pointing at my yeah. shirt. Like, it, it, it is – walking to Wrestle Kingdom is a phenomenon. The hat you're wearing right now, Justin, the LIJ hat, is everywhere. Everywhere. Like, everyone is wearing that fucking hat. Like, and, including you now. And it, and it was kind of like a, a fucking WrestleMania-style ending where the crowd does not go home happy. They no. do not get what they want. So, yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the ending. How did you feel when uh, Okada hit the Rainmaker and pinned Naito? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't have the full context of history to, to be like, well, this doesn't... F- I don't think this suits the long-term story that they've been telling with Naito. Sure. He should have won. And that's, I feel like, what a lot of people were saying. But I think your opinion's really good here because there are a lot of people tuning in for the first time, I think, for this show. And clearly, this man is insanely popular. You could even feel it on TV that, like, everybody was going crazy for Naito and LIJ, and they were very, very upset that he did not win. Yeah, I can't stress how much that, that felt in the building. Like, people wanted this guy to win in a way that I don't think I felt at a live wrestling event But he before. was undone by his own selfishness. Why'd he go for that exactly. second Destino? Yeah, he did not need the Destino again. He should have just covered. Should have gone for the pin. I know. Rookie move. Anything else we want to touch on here, guys? We, we've gone uh, long. Yeah, I do want to talk about just the overall presentation. Good, yes. Uh, because that was one of the things that really brought both me and Graham into it as, like, new time, like, first-time viewers who are now big time fans. Yes. And the, and the, I think the the number one person, you know, look, I've all throughout this round I've been talking about how we can compare the success of this show to what's wrong with WWE. And there's no bigger person holding WWE back from big success right now more than Kevin Dunn and yes. the shitty television production Holy that WWE shit. has been running for like 20 years straight without evolving their style. At all. And this is something that I noticed immediately that just like it was a moment in uh, Jericho Omega where Kenny does like a, a tope, like swanton to the outside, basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the, it it's such a, you know, I mean, maybe not to that extent that someone does like a senton bomb flip or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's such a typical spot in a WWE match. You see suicide dives and topes all the fucking Every time. Every but rock. like, what about this made it so awesome when Kenny did it? And I'll tell you exactly what it was. Tell me. It's the camera angle. They shoot it from a low angle so that you, like, basically everything is framed from the point of impact. So we're basically looking at it from Jericho's perspective because the camera is lower and so Kenny's jump feels more Way higher. like like higher and at one point like it at, when he was like completing the flip and was still in midair and it was like his body upside down doing this thing he filled the entire frame so they centered it perfectly like they it's just it's like comic book or anime framing, you know? Like, it's yes, not yes. complicated to do these things in such a way. And it's the same thing with the V-Trigger. The V-Trigger is oh. always filmed from, like, right in front of the face of the guy who's taking the move. So that when his knee comes into the shot, you've seen him coming. And then, boom, you get the impact right there in front of you. Like They also don't inexplicably cut at the point of impact, which, which WWE does all the time. Now, granted, they're not hiding anything because... Because 
these guys are working stiff and are actually hitting each True. other. And that is something that WWE does not have the luxury of necessarily. But it goes beyond that because like even the primary camera angle for the entire show is an overhead shot of yeah. the ring. And it looks like the same shot that you would see should you tune in to watch a fucking boxing pay-per-view from the 1970s. Like, it looks like real sports looks. Yeah, there, yeah. Was, there was no hard cam. Yeah. It was kind of a weird experience, actually, now that I think about it. But um, so, so, like, when you have this combination of, like, the presentation of real sports mixed with more dramatic framing when they do cut to kind of close-ups and stuff... It just makes everything feel bigger and more dramatic. And I had a conversation with a friend the other night uh, at the bar who was basically saying, like, oh, uh, like, the when WWE is successful, it's a combination of good writing and good plotting and storytelling combined with good in-ring action. But I'd have to disagree with that because, like, when you film it right and when you tell a story right in the ring – the in-ring action should have all of those storytelling elements built into Already. it. Yes, I agree. And it gets lost if it's not presented properly. Jamo, I I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but it sounds like you're you're pretty all aboard the New Japan I'm, train. I I bought a subscription to New Japan World. I'm not planning on canceling it anytime soon. It's eleven bucks a month, and if I watch one show a month, which I'm going to. That's worth it. It's less than the price of a that, movie. That's literally the same logic that we got for the WWE Network when we first subscribed. It was like, well, the pay-per-views are like 50 bucks each, yeah. so you're paying 11 bucks But, like, I, I I'm going to it. enjoy watching New Japan shows. That's true. What are you and, doing later tonight? Yeah, probably watching New Japan with my boy Hell right Hell yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll go back and rewatch New Year's Dash, probably. Well, let me... let me, uh, Mike, we usually wrap up our, our pay-per-view rounds with giving a letter grade to the pay-per-view. And uh, I'd like, like to start with the guest. What would be your letter grade for Wrestle Kingdom 12? It's got to be an A-plus, dude. A-plus. I Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. Like... One of the better wrestling shows you've seen? I The best wrestling show. Well, it's either that or uh, a Monday Night Raw in Seattle that had... I, this is a bad bit. It's going on too long. Sorry, guys. Good bit. Uh, have, uh, but yeah, no, Randy, versus, <laughs> Randy versus... Kevin Owens yeah. versus Cesaro. Yeah, yeah, yeah was I was there, match. too. We I actually was there. a good match. But, okay. yeah, it's um, un, like one of the best nights of my life. Shared it with good buddies, good pals. Uh, saw my favorite wrestler ever put on his best match ever in my mind. And I was just happy that my good friends who were watching from the lower ball were willing to activate their data plans to be still in the group chat You're as welcome. we were watching at fucking four in the morning. Yeah, uh, well, speak for yourself. I was uh, saving those pennies. <laughs> yeah. Well, Josh was texting me. I know. It was, was good shit. In between every match, I wanted to check in with J-Mo and see what he thought. Yeah. J-Mo, Mike gives him an A+. What do you give it? I'm going A++. Oh, shit. No, d- there's yeah. nothing no. Above. No, this is going to be the pay-per-view of the year 2018. If Meltzer can give six stars, Josh can <laughs> Look, look uh, I've, I said this before. I think I said it on Twitter when I set up the poll. I fucking hated the fact that you can only set up a poll on Twitter with four polling options. Right. Because there is a genuine argument that six matches from this show, like, you could make the case for being match of the night. That is magical and uh, unique. And that, like, is unprecedented. It's one of the deepest cards I've ever seen in my life. I had... A hell of a time watching this. Uh, and, like, I cannot wait until next January 4th because yeah. I don't think anything in between is going to capture the magic of watching this show uh, quite like uh, I experienced on that night. And you're coming with us next year, right? I guess so, yeah. I mean, in the meantime, we're going to All In in September. So, oh, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. 
Uh, so you guys both an A plus. It's more in like the C tier for me. No, of course, uh, <laughs> a, a, a plus for me. Uh, as as good as wrestling gets, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Uh, I loved it. I literally cried. I was across the world to my dear friends. I love uh, you, man. Love you too. It was, uh, yeah, a plus for me. I think you could put this show on and show it to literally anyone who's ever had a, even a passing interest in wrestling in their entire life. And they would become invested in this. It's actually funny you say that. Um, I posted on Instagram saying, like, hey, like, I'm back from Japan. Wrestle Kingdom was amazing. And a buddy of mine commented saying, um, a guy at work made me watch that Omega Jericho match. Wrestling is a lot cooler over there. Yeah. So, like, getting new fans. What says it better than that, eh? Yeah. And that's 15 minutes. Oh, that was not 15 minutes. Man, these WCW TV title matches go for yeah. a long time that was 36 minutes fun. oh my goodness well we went way over time there josh so let's just keep it rolling right along into round number two round two fight justin you're something of a, a leader among men uh sure a big powerful man and a good speaker and effusive emotional powerful dude yeah i like to think that's how the people think of me sure why not you know what another word for that is uh, an alpha you're an alpha justin much yeah. like my man chris Jericho. i'm an alpha entertainer <laughs> much like the xfl is going mm-hmm. to be uh justin alpha versus omega happened yes. uh at wrestle kingdom and as mike teased in the last round it was his match of the night and i don't think it was either of ours but it was Dave Meltzer's five-star match of the night. What was your match of the night? I don't think you said. Oh, uh, Goto Suzuki. Okay, fair. Yeah, but but I, I, truthfully, I don't know. I, this could change. I, I need to go re-watch the show. The, 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 it's just the night was my match of the night. I, I only remember I felt like being that close. Like, those guys were just hitting each other, and that really seemed uh, a shocking. But this could be my match of the night. The four-way could be my match of the night. I, I don't really know, to be honest. But uh, I loved Omega Jericho I a great deal. I also did quite a bit, yes. And uh, Dave Meltzer, a five-star match, Justin. Uh, so you witnessed a five-star match with your own eyes. That is true. Live in the flesh. That is a true thing. Now, I believe I have before also, just because Big Money Melts thinks something. You know, I've seen uh, some uh, local stuff. That Daniel Bryan up. versus Luke Harper, baby. Ah, that was a six star if I'd ever seen one. <laughs> uh, Justin, what, what was your. Okay, what were your expectations going into Alpha Omega? Uh, very high. I mean, okay. tempered at the same time, because I really did think that Kenny would be able to get a very good match out of Jericho, but I think we have all come to accept the fact that, like we said, uh, heading into this, Chris Jericho is an old man. You yeah. know, the, the matches against uh, Kevin Owens, despite the fact that feud was like one of the greatest things in wrestling in recent years, the matches did not live up to the, the backstage segments because how could they? Like what we love about right. Jericho is that he's so entertaining and he's such a wonderful character. He's the reason why you want to tune in because he's going to make you laugh. But the ring work, maybe not what it was 10 years ago at this point. And it's foolish to expect that of of someone who has clearly come out and said that, like, the only reason that they're even able to still keep going is because of DDP yoga. Um, Super impressive. But having said that, I thought this was, you know, I, I, I called it on the night, like, perhaps the last great Jericho match. That, yeah. Kenny, that Kenny extracted the last great Jericho match. But 
the fact that he has now gone into a program with Naito, you know, and and very well may work a program against Okada after that. Like, I think he will. He's got great matches left in him. This certainly. fucking guy, Chris Jericho, man. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. I said on our preview show, much echoing your sentiments there, that I thought Kenny Omega is so so supreme that we're probably going to get a very good match here. But I didn't think it would be match of the night. I, I certainly didn't think it would be better than Okada Naito, which I think myself, yourself, and most people think that it was. Absolutely. And... I yeah. wouldn't even put Okada Naido in my top three. There you might go. not even make my top five. And yet here we are on uh, whatever day it is. I'm completely lost. Thursday. And Chris Jericho put on what some people are calling his best match of his career. Uh, what, I mean, he hit the lion tamer. He he went out there wrestling like a man possessed. A guy who this character switch with the long hair, the headband, the alpha. Oh, my he, God. Taking the one-winged angel onto the chair. Oh, the, 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 the table. The, the, I mean, he... This was a guy going out there to fight. He was going to show these guys, hey, here, here's, uh, I'm an old dog, but boy, I got a lot left in me, and I'm going to show you that I earned this spot, I'm here for a reason, and I'm going to deliver the goods for the fans and rep Winnipeg in a way that maybe no one ever has before. Absolutely, and I think the character moments within the match lived up to the quality of the wrestling as well, because like... What is better healing in 2018 or even anything that happened in 2017 than Chris Jericho stealing a photographer's camera, shooting on rapid shutter so you can hear the clicks going the whole time, and then putting his own middle finger in front of the lens and yelling, fuck you, at the entire crowd. Did the clicks pick up on TV? Oh, yeah. Oh, that must have been... Oh, that is so great. It was great. And, like, the only thing that would have been better is if he had, like, thrown the camera on the ground and broken it afterwards. Well, he did. But that's an expensive piece of equipment. No, I think he gave it back to the no he just threw it on the ground oh really i'm 100 percent certain oh, okay he just tosses it behind him mike's shaking his head now i'm pretty sure he gave it back to the guy because it's a big uh, that's an expensive piece of equipment he does but throw still. it though right yeah, no, okay sorry from our viewing all i saw was that he just yeah, threw yeah, it. yeah but he tossed it back to him. Oh, okay i gotcha yeah. yeah amazing moment uh can i make a slight complaint about this match sure go ahead uh i didn't like the kenny omega air spray the the cold spray spot okay uh i thought this match was so hard-hitting, so intense that I didn't want any comedy or break in that. And it lost a little bit of momentum for me in that moment. What did you think of that spot? I mean, it was a long match. Yes. And so, uh, you know, I, I felt like they kind of threw everything that they had into it as well. Yeah. They they want to complain that, uh, you know, this, the junior heavyweights threw every match to, or every move that they knew into the match. Like, guys, you, you you went to basically every single spot that you possibly could. Hardcore, comedy, exactly. technical. Not and, a lot of high-flying. And it but. made for a great match. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I think all of those elements combined because, you know, look, I compl- the, what was my number one complaint about Naito Okada? The it was too start. boring. Yeah. yeah. It, the pacing was not right because there was just long stretches of nothing. And say what you will about not wanting any comedy in the match, I think Jericho's healing is so over the top in some ways that it does play as comedy a little bit. I get that. And so for, for Kenny to have some comedy of his own, it, like at least that's a five-minute stretch of the match where I'm not disengaged, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get that t- uh, totally. Like, you're still watching, and it did... And I, it was a good moment. It showed, like, desperation on Kenny's part, Just, you know? Yeah. Because, like, I think we all kind of coming into this thought, 
you know, this is going to be a cakewalk for Kenny Omega. He's the best in the world, and Chris Jericho's an old man. And ultimately, that's still true, but they were able to tell a story that made you believe that Jericho could conceivably win this match. I, I thought he was going to for a moment there. Uh, I thought that this was a, a, real, a real possibility. Now, I do want to touch on this. The end of the match, the one-winged angel onto the chair, I mean... Oof! Like I mean, I felt like I was concussed from that. I mean, it was what a spot. But I thought that that was Jericho's last match because he's been very vocal in saying that uh, I'm never going to announce my retirement match. I'm just going to ride off into the sunset, and when I never wrestle again, you'll know that that was my last match. And when he was walking out, maybe it was me reading too much into the moment, but I thought, gosh, what a way to go out! You go out on your back in an absolute classic. Then this guy, Chris Jericho, shows up at New Year's Dash the next day after a brutal match. And what does he do, Justin? He jumps Naito. My God, he did he jump Naito. When Mike was... Uh, so we didn't watch New Year's Dash. Didn't have access to it and tickets were sold out. So we get back to the hostel and we're looking on... Uh, I don't know if he was on Twitter or Reddit. But he just looks up at Max and I goes, Guys, Chris Jericho just attacked Naito. And I... I was just so impressed. That's all I can say about Chris Jericho. I mean, th this guy, he refuses to do something uninteresting now for like the past two years. I mean, what, what were your feelings when, when you were watching New Year's Dash? Yes? Yeah. When Chris Jericho ran out of Tech Naito, what, what did you think? I mean, I, I kind of anticipated him to make an appearance on the show in some capacity. Yeah. Whether that was just like, you know, coming out and, and like doing a, a show of respect for Kenny. Yeah. And then leaving the company. Right. Like, that's kind of what I was expecting. Yeah, so sort of same as me. Exactly. So, like, he begrudgingly gives it up for Omega as, like, okay, like, this whole thing was about who's the best in the world. I have to accept I was defeated. Kenny, you're the best. And right. I, and I, and I ride off into the sunset. That's what I thought also. Uh, and, but, like, I was mostly anticipating that because fucking Meltzer is out here saying, like, you know, it's still believed that there's a possibility Chris Jericho will be in the Royal Rumble. Can we talk about this? The yeah, because I, because I I brought this up in the chat yeah. the night of, as, as we talked about it, the morning after, I guess, for you. Um, and I made the point that, like, look, we know that Chris Jericho is a guy who does talk to Dave Meltzer. He is a Meltzer source. He's like the most known Meltzer source, I think, ever. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so when when Dave says something like, it is believed there is a strong possibility that Jericho will work the Rumble, <laughs> you know where that's coming from. <laughs> it's and, Chris Jericho. And it's from Jericho himself. And what a fucking pro. What a consummate professional. A, a real pro's pro. To be able to work us through the dirt sheets. Because Jericho knows he's not going to be in the Rumble. Right. He knows that his plan is to stick around and, and work course. in New Japan. But we don't know that because he's throwing off all these breadcrumbs uh. to put us off the trail. Because that is how you work a crowd. That is how you genuinely surprise an audience in 2017, 2018. You tell them... Uh, through the dirt sheets that this expected thing that maybe they're anticipating is going to happen, and then you do the exact opposite. And now there's people like you who will be like, oh, Big Dave's wrong again. Big surprise, he's full of shit. No. Like, I, <laughs> I, think, I, think, Dave Meltzer, I think Dave Meltzer is, like, in on it and, and wants to help work people sometimes because 
if you tell me something is going to happen and then the opposite happens, ultimately that is what I want yeah. from wrestling. Yeah. Like it I, is more fun. I want to be a fucking smart and feel like I know what's going on, but I also want to be fed misinformation so I can still be genuinely surprised. What wrestler was it who called Dave Meltzer the greatest worker of all time? I, I don't remember. I can't remember, but he he's a wrestler was asked, you know, who's the best worker in wrestling history? And he goes, oh, Dave Meltzer, for sure. So I think that's worth noting in some capacity, too. Uh, does the, the Chris Jericho attacking Naito starting that feud, probably, does that make you feel better about the Naito loss from the night before? Um, I mean, it's, I, it feels like they're going to tell... Uh, a, a, maybe a losing streak angle here with Naito because yeah. if Jericho is going to face Okada, he has to beat him. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then and then that's his claim to be the rightful next contender, basically, right? Uh, and so maybe, yeah, maybe maybe this is interesting. I just I I the impression that I get is that like Okada had nowhere to go as champion anymore. Sure. And and I don't know that that's entirely true if you throw in the fact that like. Okay, Chris Jericho's going to stick around. And okay, like, Cody Rhodes is actually maybe more legit than we thought. And yeah. then you could do that match again. You can do any number of things. Well, Ibushi gets a win. Sonata gets a win. There's some things in the, yeah, the wings Ib- for him. Ibushi is probably the next clear-cut contender. And see, that's what I loved about this show as well. You only had one match... I guess two matches. No, because even the hair versus hair match was for a title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There was only two non-title matches. So Cody was the only, I think, non-title match on the entire show. Okay. And even that was still for like... You knew that whoever wins gets their pick of a shot of shot at whatever title Something, they want, yeah. basically. So, like, there's a contendership still on the line. There's stakes involved in every single piece of it. And, like, the fact that the, everybody is a member of a stable... And that stable wars are actively happening throughout the show. It's like every result is turning the tides of power within this larger stable war culture. I love as how well. much you like, loved this. It's just like there's so many things to buy into, and then you go and you watch Raw, and it's like there's nothing here. There's literally nothing to engage me. Okay. Um, what about? Well, we'll get to that in round three. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. Sure, but. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, no, I feel you. Yeah, and uh, I think for Jericho, like, why wouldn't you want to hang around? He just had, like, one of the great matches of his career, and he's going to have probably two more. I mean, if if he goes and wrestles Kenny Omega, Tetsuya Naito, and Okada in one year, that is such a shocking move and so impressive, which leads me to ask you this question, Justin. Shoot. Where's Chris Jericho on the greatest Canadians wrestler, greatest Canadian wrestler list? I Has mean, he surpassed Bret Hart at this point? I don't have a full picture of Brett's career, honestly, because about the time I'm becoming a major invested fan is when Brett's in WCW and I don't watch WCW. Right. It's the concussion and then he's done, basically. Uh, Maybe that's the, you know, the onus is on me to go back and watch some classic Brett matches. Like the Stone Cold one is great, obviously. Yeah. uh, At Mania. But I don't know. Like... Yeah, I, I'm I'm in a tough spot with Chris Benoit too because I still admire the fuck out of his ring work. Oh, I have some terrible news for you about him. I'll I tell know. you off. No, okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, he uh, killed his family. Uh, yeah, I mean Jericho <laughs> can't top him because he already topped himself. If you know what I'm saying. Hey, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say this that I think uh, Bret Hart ultimately is maybe more important in some ways, but in terms of career longevity and what like a a pro wrestling career can look like. 
Remove the Canadian acronym or um, qualifier from it. Sorry, I'm so tired. Remove the Canadian qualifier. I think Jericho is is well within the conversation for like one of the better wrestling careers. Now he doesn't have like the peaks of a Stone Cold or things like this, but if you look at Chris Jer- Cruiserweight WCW Chris Jericho, man of a thousand and one holds. The li- there's so many Chris Jerichos, and I think he's a a great example of remaining viable and lively and really what a career can be. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. And it is, you know, fucking crazy to think that, like, at this stage of his career, Chris Jericho has me fully invested in Japanese wrestling. <laughs> that is crazy. He's 47 to years old, and he made me buy a subscription to New Japan World, a subscription that I do not plan on canceling. And, like, there's so few people who could do that, you know? Safe Kenny Kenny Omega by himself could not get me to do that. But Chris Jericho did. Is it safe to say uh, this is the most you've ever been invested in Jericho? Um, I really loved him back in 2000, so I don't know about that. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, uh, but he's up there. Yeah. And do you think he works the Long Beach shows? I do. That would be very interesting. <laughs> because I think, like, a lot of people assume that he got into New Japan like, <laughs> as a one-off. Or, like, just, like, you know, n- the fact that he would be involved in their American push, that's making him a real threat to WWE. Justin, I just need to say, next week I'm going to be enforcing these rules again. Yeah. We're getting back to the 15-minute format. But, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I heartily agree. Because, like, that's, like, you know, he's he's weaponized himself against Vince McMahon, even if Vince agreed to it. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, Justin, let's move on to... Uh, a very good segment. It was requested on Twitter a couple times for us to, to bring it back, so I'm keeping it in. You might say, um, keep it, keep it, or kick it. Is he going to keep it? Or will he kick it? Is he going to keep it or kick it? It's keep it or kick it. Will he keep it or kick it? Will he keep it or kick it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the theme song that's never the same twice. The theme song's so nice. We... <laughs> <laughs> we we change it up every time. Ah, something like that. Yeah, pretty good. My brain is shutting down. Justin, can you please explain the rules of keep it or kick it? You have a list of topics that you're going to give me in rapid fire succession. I have to decide if I love it and want to keep it or hate it and want to get rid of it or, as the kids say, kick it. Hey, so here we go, Justin. Are you ready for another thrilling round of keep it or kick it? I've never been more ready. Justin, keep it or kick it. Rhino, challenging for the IC title. Ooh, keep it. Male managers for female wrestlers. Keep it. A James Ellsworth rumble appearance. Oh, yes, keep it. Honky Tonk Man's theme. Kick it. Uh, really? I mean, it's all right. It's such a good one. Uh, a full gimmick change for Bray Wyatt. Full gimmick change? I'm going to say kick it, because I feel like it's just, it needs a tweak, but not a full overhaul. Cody Rhodes is all-in pay-per-view using ex-WWE wrestlers. Keep it. Top Marks doing more New Japan Pro Wrestling content. Oh, well, we're exclusively a New Japan show now, so keep that, I guess. <laughs> U.S. champion Aiden English. Ooh. Uh, kick it. A New Age Outlaws return. Kick that. <laughs> Batista at number 30 in this year's Rumble. <laughs> kick that hard. <laughs> Actually? Oh? I'll say keep it. Oh, a turnaround, Justin. Yeah, no, I want to see one last Batista run, and I feel like the fans would appreciate him this time. The Young Bucks' current gimmick. Keep it. 
Bludgeon Brothers as your SmackDown Live tag champs. Kick that. A new finisher for Seth Rollins. Uh, yes, keep it. Okay. I mean, kick his current finisher. Yeah. Keep whatever. The new finisher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. American Alpha getting back together in 2018. Keep it. And finally, Kenny Omega going to TNA. Kick that the hardest anything's ever been kicked. Fuck, dude, Rey Mysterio is set to sign with TNA oh, right now. Oh, what is he doing? What Why is, would you do that? Come on, Rey. Just I, don't do it, bud. Don't do it. Do, do you know if Ray listens to the show? I know he does. Okay, can I just talk to him directly? Yeah, for a Titus second? got him started. Okay, perfect. Titus was like, "Hey, Ray, you gotta listen to this, bud." Do you mind if I just talk to Ray sure, Mysterio? For, do you it. can take off your headphones. Yeah. This is just if you're listening to the show. No, go, I'm, I'm logging out. Go, here. If you're a listener, go go take a piss or something. This is just for Ray Mysterio. Ray, I'm not doing this to be funny, but dude. TNA fucking sucks. It's so bad. It hasn't been good in so long. You're great. You deserve better. Your Prince Puma match, the two out of three falls main eventing the uh, the finale of Lucha Underground was so good. Go achieve greatness, man. Like, what do you do? You're going to go get that TNA stink on you? Don't do it. Look at all the guys they've ruined and all the great talent they've had through there that they managed to just squander. Don't do it no matter what the paycheck is. Go somewhere else. I love you. Come on home. Come lead the cruiserweight division in WWE. Do something, Rey Mysterio. Sincerely, Josh Custodian. Justin, you can put your headphones back on. Listeners, come on back into the fold. We're, we're going we're gonna to get on in. Uh, Ray, if you're still listening... I hope you have a great feud with Alberto El Patron. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be it, too, right? Yeah. Like, that's the feud, right? Yeah. He's going he's gonna to come in and be like, you are an abuser of women. Oh, what? And El Patron will be like, eh, they took my title away for oh, no reason. I hate, I hate Alberto. All and right. At, and at the end, Alberto will have to admit that he abuses women. <laughs> it's like a say my name back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> who do you abuse? <laughs> Let's get and on. And then at the end, he'll be like, Women. <laughs> this is not funny. <laughs> to round number three. I mean, it is a little funny, but only because it's true. What a Definitely fucking funny. piece of shit that guy is. Cock Lord Del Rio. Round three. Fight. There he is. I'm sitting across from gun owner Justin Morissette, who loves guns and shooting things. Mm -hmm. Big time gun enthusiast. You know me. He Still loves. The same old G, but I've been low key. Hated on by. <laughs> All these non-gun owning people. Well, I, all I want to do is shoot some guns. Well, uh, we know this about you, Justin, because we know that you are a member of Bullet Club. Yes. Uh, well, worldwide. Which are, I guess, now a Ballard Club in WWE. Can you, can you set the stage for me here, Justin? Uh, well, what happened on Monday Night Raw? How did these guys get together? Finn Balor, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, they're hanging out. They're too sweet. And, uh, what happened here? I didn't watch. I uh, well, I think Finn needed himself some tag partners for a six-man last week okay. against uh, Elias and the Miz Taraj. Yeah, that's a tough, formidable group. I mean, that's who he's been feuding with, basically, since Miz left to go shoot the Marine 7 or whatever fucking Marine it is we're on now. Um, <laughs> I think it is 7. <laughs> and, like, look... Elias and Finn had good matches like several months ago. So yeah, if I you want to so. revisit that as an interim thing, I'm kind of into that. Yeah, so he was a, was one against three. He needed two guys to have his back. And who would it be other than those good brothers, uh, Gallows and Anderson? And that was how they debuted them last week. Ah. And then this week, 
Uh, basically, you know, uh, the punk himself, Jason Jordan, Ugh. that little punk ass kid, it was don't. running his mouth talking about how Jordan <laughs> with Seth and Roman are the most powerful trio in the history of WWE. Oh, I don't know if he said the history, but he said in WWE currently. Yeah. And uh, there was another trio who took exception to that. Uh, and they came on out and said, I don't know about that kid. Oh. Uh, Justin, can I? I got to tell you something here. I've been something of a, a vocal detractor of Finn Balor's on this show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's one thing that can get me into Finn Balor, it's him kicking the shit out of Jason Jordan. This is his moment to win me as a fan. And I got to say, they did it this week, and they uh, actually I don't know. It was the finish of the match against Elias and the Miz I think they sort of did it, but in a staggered form this past week on Raw. The Magic Killer directly into the coup de gras is awesome. These are two ma- two moves that like s- like it sets the guy up to take the next one instantly. Ah, so it's they drop him with the magic killer and, and Finn's already on the, the Yes. Oh, that is sick. It's a I got to see that. Very good trios finish. And like I don't know, WWE's going hard into the trios thing right now. I don't know if they ever do like a trios championship. I hope not. But if they're doing all these weird like network specials and stuff and this Facebook Live stuff, I could get into a trios tournament. Hell yeah! I think there's a lot of them that uh, could work right now. Did we pitch show? Show just got injured recently, but like him with the bar was super awesome. And uh, you know, there's a lot of groups that you could kind of throw together. The Miztourage is a trio. Of course, it's kind of like how they're doing stables right now. Is just three guys. Uh, Ty Dillinger said on Twitter this week that uh, he would love to be in a trio with the Revival. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, they're on opposite shows. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I would also be trying to attach myself to the top guys if I were Ty Dillinger, but uh, that's, that's an aside. Yeah. What uh, would you call them, though, together? The top tens? Oh, shit. That's not bad, actually. That's pretty that's good. That's pretty good. Uh, Justin, from the clips I saw, I was on the internet. I don't know if you've been there before. and uh, A couple times. It, se- <laughs> it seemed like uh, Finn Balor was a lot more natural on the mic with these guys beside him. Was that the case, or yeah, was that just what this, I saw? This past Monday, they were certainly... Uh, like having a real good time. Cool. Like the, it was a lot. You know, I think Gallows and Anderson are at their best when they are loose and jokey. Of course. With their own humor. Yes. And it's not often the WWE scripting allows them to do that. There have been a few times where they've kind of shone through. I mean, a no better example than when they were like selling Shop Zone merch before Christmas time. So great. Um, but like, yeah, it seemed like that they were just trying to make each other crack in some ways yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Like that they were... I don't want to say going into business for themselves, but like they were making sure that they were all having a good time. And that is like, look, I've always said about my own work, even whether it's on radio or podcasts or whatever, if I'm having fun, I have to assume that it will be fun to listen to because that's what you want. And it's the same thing. If I can see that these three guys are having a good time together, that they actually are the good friends that they claim to be, that's going to translate through the television. I'm going to feel that. I'm going to have a good time watching them at home. I'm going to want to see them more. And that is what they're doing right now. And I I think we touched on this a little bit off the top, but I, I cannot think that this is a coincidence that as new japan kind of like hits a popularity peak and is in a boom period right now as far as north american growth goes the wwe finally at the exact same time looks at the founding members of bullet club and says 
hey, maybe we could do something with these guys and that the same people who are excited about the New Japan product could have something within our show to be excited about as well. I mean, if that isn't the case, that would be stupid, right? I mean, it makes perfect business sense if they see, like you say, a popularity peak for New Japan and they go, hey, we have some of those toys. If this is a variety show, which they always say it is, Triple H and Vince McMahon both, they'll say this, you know, it's a wrestling variety show. That makes all the sense in the world. Give that fan base something, right? It's too coincidental to be a coincidence. Exactly right, yeah. Um, Let me ask you this, Justin. Uh, How pissed off is AJ Styles right now? Probably very. Yeah. Because, I mean, go back to, like, the draft. Uh, He looked legitimately pissed that he was on a different show. They Um, All three of them were mad. Yeah. Like, they uh, were upset. I don't know about... Like, because, like, they had something special going on. AJ with Gallows and Anderson was working. It was a great heel act. Beat up John Cena was, like, the most fun thing on WWE. I forgot about that. that It was great. And then they got split apart, and obviously AJ landed on his feet, as he often does. But, like, he can even do it off of a Springboard 450. The club, the club. Got him. I'm glad you. Uh, I set him up. You knock him down. <laughs> we are the hashtag good friends. Uh, uh, the, but the club just had nothing. They've been drifting, uh, like in, in no man's land for a year and a half, if yeah. not longer. And the one complaint that I would have about this is like they really went hard on Monday, hammering it home with like vignette after vignette about like what old time friends these guys are, how long they've known each other. Oh, really? Like. That they've been good buds since Finn was like twenty one or whatever, like you know, back back when he was just a wee baby baller, he was <laughs> he was palling around with with Luke Gallows, uh, but like, you know, why have you never shown me this ever before? Right. Yeah, it, they've it, been on the same show for more than a year. Like what? Like what? Why have you never even hinted in this direction before? Other right. than, like, maybe some coy nods here and there. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. Like, And, again, it makes you wish that they would do more long-term storytelling, something we talk about here. Because if they, even if they didn't know they were going to capitalize on it, there's ways of introducing that. You can have those guys. You brought up uh, Jason Jordan and Kurt Angle the other week, just arriving in a limo together. Mm-hmm. Things like that can really go a long way to just plant little seeds and get rewarded. So I agree with you. Why is this yeah, not they should be story? making towns together. They should be all three of them on an episode of Ride Along. 100%. Uh, for the clips I saw, again, Justin, I apologize, I haven't seen everything, but it seems to me that maybe I've underrated Carl Anderson specifically on the mic. It seems like he is uh, both funny and extremely quick-witted. Was this also your sense watching these guys interact? Absolutely. And, like, I, I was really impressed with the fact that not only did they pair them against, like, the de facto shield this week. Yeah. And, I know some people are saying, like, it's too soon. That should be a big feud. The club versus the Shield should, you know, that's a potential match that could headline fucking SummerSlam or whatever. But, like, look, this is not the Shield. Exactly. We all know that. Yeah, of course. And, look, the only reason that they won is because Jason Jordan is a fuck-up and he screwed up the whole thing. Are people actually making that point? I don't – yeah, a little bit. Those guys are That it's too soon to pair them against the Shield. But this is not – It's not the Shield. Exactly. This is not the Shield, and it plays perfectly into the storylines for both sides. You get to have the club look like a million bucks, and they did, man. They really, really did. That's awesome. Gallows and Anderson in particular got to get in some good offense – on, like, Seth and Roman. So, like, 
That's not nothing. That's that's, a, that's about as much something as something can be. It's you know? a whole lot of something. Yeah. Uh, and so that was really awesome. And yeah, just to be able to shine on the mic. And I've wanted this for a while. I, I wanted it when they were teasing that feud with the Revival. They they were turning the club right. babyface. And all they, like, we've talked about this on the show before. <laughs> it, it was not a, a big turn. All they said was... DC's always been kind to the good brothers or whatever. <laughs> it's been a good brother town. And suddenly they were baby faces. That was it. Um, oh, and then so that good. lasted for like one week. And I, I think ultimately they're probably better suited to a tweener role or even just being outright heels. But this is something that the crowd has wanted to see for so long, obviously, that you can't not at least give it a bit of a baby face run off the hop. You know, you're yeah. finally giving us this thing that. I think there's a huge portion of the audience has been desperately wanting to see for at least six, if not twelve months. Well, if I'm to pay, if I'm to pay compliment to Jason Jordan, he does mix up the the shields, otherwise very obviously babyface dynamic. So I think it lets the club work tweener against them because Jason Jordan is not a babyface, but he is paired with two babyfaces right now. And so I think that you have these six guys who have some uh, mixed alignments and some gray area. We Help. always talk Jason about. Jason Jordan might be the best heel on WWE oh, television right it. now. Oh, stop it! What? How? What? You're gonna argue against that? Yeah, the Miz, way better. I mean, In every way okay yes probably true that's but he's doing well though jason jordan is a heel I but understand. jason jordan is making sure that everybody gets the reaction they're supposed to get sure yeah and know? there is definitely something to that like because like, like hell I, I the miz did have a wonderful promo last year just tearing in to john cena and roman reigns yeah but he got cheered. Miz was the baby face of that segment. Right. That is not the desired outcome. Yeah. Jason Jordan gets you your desired outcome. Jason I, Jordan gets Roman over as a genuine baby face. I can't argue that. It's a great point. Uh, and there, you, you do need guys like that. I'm always talking about things like that on the show, so I guess I have to be consistent in my logic. Um, Justin, do we know if Finn Balor, as part of Balor Club, is still the demon? Do we know this? Like, does he, is he still going to do the demon thing? Uh, probably. Okay. I, and look, I, well, I, I would love it if they did, like, uh, you know, all three of them got painted up. And I don't know that that, that, be sick. that that necessarily means that, like, Gallows and Anderson are, tab are tapping into some sort of demon energy as well. But, like, Gallows did used to do face paint in Japan. He asbestos. Was, yeah. No, not asbestos. <laughs> but he was, he was painted up yeah. in Bullet Club in Japan. And he looks super cool yeah. having done it. Uh, and, like, it, it's just one of those things where, like... You know, for big matches, it's a good look. I don't, I don't necessarily know that I'm all in on, like, the storyline reasoning of the demon. But, like, I love it as a gimmick. I, I've said before I think the demon should be trashed. But I had this image of my mind of him entering as the demon and those two flanking him dressed as the Grim Reapers that Ooh. I thought uh, would be something I'd be very into. They don't have to be, like, carrying scythes or anything, but just long black robes. like Something uh, occult-ish I thought might look like they had summoned him or something. I don't know. It was just a visual I had in my mind that I thought might be cool. Yeah. Uh, do, would you want to see this stable continue to grow? Like is there? Yeah. Cause, oh, because I know AJ. I don't know if he said it or if he tweeted it, but he he wants in on this basically. Oh, he, he said like I hope we can work something out that I get to be a part of this in some way. I, I can't say this enough times. Span factions over shows. 
Span factions over shows. Let Balor Club exist both on SmackDown and Raw, or whatever you want to call it. it doesn't have to be Balor Club, but whatever it is. Let, there have, let them have representation on both. It makes them look so much more powerful. gives you so many storylines for the one night a year where SmackDown and Raw go head-to-head at Survivor Series or in the Rumble. I mean, one of the highlights of Survivor Series two years ago was getting to see the Shield powerbomb yeah. when Dean was on SmackDown and the other two guys were on Raw. Of course. Yeah, it, it's super dope. And he did it against his own teammate in AJ Styles. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> That's, but can... like, but that, that oh, you, it's true. You do open yourself up to the possibility of kind of combination offense in these split-brand matchups where, like, you want to see these teams come together. And especially as you see who isn't elevated in the Gallows-Anderson-Balor uh, formation. They all are getting elevated by this right now. They're main-evented Raw. They instantly, those three guys were not killing it two weeks ago. Look at this. So strap on some other guys who need elevation. Why not? Now, I don't want it to be too shoehorned in because those guys do have a natural chemistry, them being Balor and, and the Good Brothers. that kind of gets into some of your complaints about Bullet Club in general as having... Too many members and being like too large and having grown. I think that was pretty clear uh, on big. Wrestle Kingdom. Did Kenny Omega feel like the guys who were in the gauntlet match to you? I mean, even like no, because even on New Year's Dash, Kenny comes out and attacks his own faction. Right. So again, problematic. But sure, uh, have but a- I, don't, I think a group can grow so large that there are micro divisions within it. Sure, and that. Like the direction that Cody wants to go and the direction that Kenny wants to go are not the same direction, and they can fight about that, and that's interesting. Have AJ lead a tag team on SmackDown. Have three guys on both shows, then eventually they can feud if need be. I, I just think there's too many legs to ignore it. Is that something you want to see? Yeah, I think so. I don't necessarily want to see, like, you know, an Apollo Cruise or some random schmuck get shoehorned in. Oh, what about this, Justin? Can I can I fantasy book for a sure. second? The Bludgeon Brothers aren't the Bludgeon Brothers. They killed this whole gimmick, and they came back to be the two tall guys who stand behind AJ. Ah! And they're the Clubgeon Brothers. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no! They're bludgeoning you with their club. No hammers anymore. Yeah, no hammers. Just a big, like, uh, stick, like Bam Bam on the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> what a deep cut. Bam Bam. I remember that, kid. Oh, Josh, <coughs> we're going to... We're going to skip right past uh, Sunday Night Tweet because we went 20 minutes over on our Wrestle Kingdom coverage. Yeah, okay. So let's just get right into some I'll listener questions I'll bring it back next here. week, though. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, let's get, get right into some listener questions. Okay. What the people want to know. They do want to know, and we're going to tell them. Justin, our first question this week comes to us from the Borgman superfan, Blair Pachico. And Blair asks, which wrestlers are primed for a new year, new me? So this is a good uh, New Year's theme question, our first show of uh, 2018. Justin, what wrestlers need uh, maybe some resolutions, a whole new them? Who, who comes to mind? I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier when you asked if Bray Wyatt could use an, a full gimmick yeah. overhaul. I don't think so. I think there's like the problem with Bray, I think, is the problem with WWE in general. So there's no development. Like, it, it's crazy to think that we are coming up on WrestleMania in, like, however many months here. Yep. And it is going to be the same main event as WrestleMania three years ago. Yep. And what has really changed for those characters in the interim? Zero. Yes. Almost zero, right? Yeah, nothing. And that is, uh, like, it's impossible. It is impossible <laughs> to think. Like, the, okay, look, I know that Russo was, like, maybe going overboard with scripting back in, like, the 90s. But think of, like, everything that changed 
for like let's just pick one character. Let's look yeah. at like The Rock's 1998 into right. 99. Yeah. He goes through a massive character overhaul. And it's not like a dramatic change. It's not changing the core essence of The Rock. It's a natural evolution from point to point to point. Yeah. And that doesn't happen anymore. Like nothing ever changes. That's a good point. Like I think our opinion of Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton as a feud would be so much different if either character were changed for it coming out of it. Yeah. But uh, it was but we talked about this at the time, they just automatically switched back to their default setting because nothing ever evolves in WWE. Um which is completely not the question that was being asked. No, but, just, but I think it's it's very valid as it pertains to this question. So Bray Wyatt, you're saying he needs new year, new he, me. He 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 needs to develop. He needs as a character. to develop. Yeah, he doesn't need to change. He just needs like I mean, he does need to change, but to change naturally right. as a as a as a character or a person or anything would. I'm not the same person that I was two years ago. No, you. Why should Bray terrible. Wyatt be? You know? No, I agree. Look at any TV show. Yeah. You want character arcs in all of your television programming, and WWE should be no different. Uh, I'm going to go a little off board with this uh, with this question. I'm going to go John Cena, uh, a guy who I think is maybe more beloved than he's ever been in his career right now. But for me, his returns aren't feeling as big as maybe they should. I look forward to the matches, but the... I think now would be a great time for a bit of a new John Cena. We've literally seen the same. You want to talk a guy without any character development. It's John Cena's the poster boy for this. Been running basically the same thing for a decade. I'd be very interested to see what a different John Cena would look like, especially at a time where I think the audience would give him more leeway in any direction. You know what I mean? I guess. I don't necessarily agree with that choice just because I feel like he's finally won our respect. Sure. So that, like, he doesn't need to change ever again you know, in, in a way but like t- one last thing on my point here like, yeah i i haven't obviously seen the character evolution having just jumped on with new japan but having just read about it and been told about it like oh the when naito you arc? When, yeah when you look at the arc yeah. that naito has been on for the last three years it's unbelievable compare that to roman reigns from the wrestlemania 31 to wrestlemania 34 yeah. what's different well, he didn't go to CMLL, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you want to hit me with the next question? Yeah, yeah our next question comes to us from I Am Coke Now at Coca-Cola LLC. Thank you to our sponsor. Uh, who says, what's the scariest botch you've ever seen? Oh, easy for me. And sub-question, what's the best food Josh had in Japan? Oh, uh, well, uh, I can answer both of those really easily. I was at uh, uh, this is a show in Abbotsford years ago. I, I don't think it was ECCW. I think it was a local called ASW, but I don't really remember. It was right out of high school. Uh, they go for a, a power bomb off the top rope, and the guy is knocked completely unconscious. Uh, you could tell that he slammed down way too hard. He basically comes down, hits on his lower back, and then spikes his head Ooh. down onto the mat, Ooh. goes completely unconscious, one of the worst things i've ever seen live horrifying to see easily that yeah worst botch i've ever seen jesus and uh what was the tastiest food you had oh wow uh a lot to choose from uh jeez i'll just say that on our our last day we went back to this this ramen place that i loved and i got uh, chicken with tartar fried chicken with tartar sauce on it and the best bowl of ramen i've ever had Every meal was so tasty, but that one uh, was a nice kiss goodbye to Japan. All right. Um, 
I don't know, scariest botch for me. Literally, like, anything where someone is dropped on their head or neck. Yeah. Uh, like, fuck, even the, the one in the Nakamura-Cena match. Oof. That's... With, like, the exploder suplex answer. on Cena. That was terrifying. Standard and, neck bump. And, yeah, Mike Mike was like, oh, it's just a just a run-of-the-mill neck bump. Like, what the <laughs> fuck yeah. are you talking about? Madness. There's no such thing as a standard neck bump. There's also... Uh, I don't know if you've seen that clip where Owens... This is years ago when he's still Kevin Steen... And he's probably 20 feet up in the air on some pillar, and he goes for a senton onto a group. And, like, no one catches him except for Sami Zayn. Oh, really? So Sami just gets – like, the other guys who are – Kevin Owens had talked about this on his Kevin Owens show on the High Tops Network. It's like everyone else on this match, on this card, was nowhere near as experienced as him and Zayn at the time El Generico. So only Generico catches him at all. So it's basically – And takes the full impact. Basically, basically. Kevin Owens just crushes Sami Zayn. It looks – we should watch it after the show. It's atrocious, Jeff. Okay, well, I have another choice here, which is not – a botch, but a, a near botch, and yeah. something that we've talked about multiple times on the show before. Sure, uh, the uh, Styles Clash on James Ellsworth, where oh, yeah. where AJ catches it midair that he's about to fucking kill this guy. It didn't happen, yeah, but it very nearly did, and it was terrifying to watch. <laughs> That's a, another good one. Uh, Justin, uh, former guest on the show, Rob Russo, sent us a question this oh, week. Oh, what a delightful child! Delightful. I don't know why I called him a child. Because he's a young man. Yeah, he's, he's only 14. He's just a, just a young buck he's out a, there. He's a baby. He's a good boy. He can barely speak. Just a wee babe. Still on the mum's tent. Yep. Who's the current stale WWE wrestler who would benefit most from a New Japan run a la Jericho? Great question. Um, I have an easy answer for this. Is it, are you going to say Dolph? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's what they're trying to do right now. That's right. Like, have him walk out so that you miss him. The difference is, like... You need to see him go somewhere. Like, you know, Cody Cody could not become what he is just having left. He actually had to go do something. Right, yeah. You know, like he he has won people over. Like even yourself as a staunch Cody hater. Look, you had a you got the pro wrestling crate like in the mail <laughs> every month for however many months it was. You received in the mail a signed photograph of Cody Rhodes. And you ripped it to pieces. Tore it to shreds. Do you regret doing that? No, not at all. Oh, well. Don't you think that like there's someone in your life who might have liked to uh, receive that? I live with no regrets. Okay, all right. Uh, did you want that picture, Justin? Yeah, probably. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it has to be Dolph. Because, like, we all know that he's a good worker, you know? I don't think anyone questions Dolph Ziggler's, like, in-ring talent. I it's think people the, overrate it's it. It's just the character yeah. is fucked at this point. Uh, my answer, Justin, uh, I think Dolph Ziggler is probably the obvious answer there. Uh, but but I still don't feel like – I don't think even – I think he's just so done I couldn't get that excited for a return to WWE. I'd love – but I'm still like that with Cody Rhodes too in, yeah. in my defense. Uh, my answer is Luke Harper, a guy who I think is uh, filled a, to the brim with talent. That's a great choice also. Filled to the brim with talent. Never really been utilized. In it. He's been IC champ, but never utilized to the extent that I think you and I probably see in him. But a guy who in Japan would be their biggest guy on the New Japan roster who can move, I think they would take to him like bees to honey. And if WWE could see that, he comes home and now all of a sudden he's a big bruiser who we love. I mean, he's been right on the cusp of a big singles push a few times before, but then they're like, oh, what are we going to do with Rowan? (sighs) And then they just... Like, Rowan is a fucking anchor that Luke Harper has to wear around his neck. Does at Harker all times. hate Rowan? Does he hate him? I, I, I probably. He's like this fucking giant ass guy. 
Uh, so my answer is Luke Harper, but I think Dolph is is uh, he was the first guy that came to my mind too. This question comes from Craig Tamble at Fruits Are Edible. Hello, Craig. He says, "Do you think WWE purposefully holds back super over wrestlers because it gives them opportunities to try and get other people over first, knowing they have a surefire winner on the back burner, or do they just hate their fans?" Well, this is this is a, a good question. Uh, I think they have done that. I think probably most famously with Daniel Bryan, where they feel like they have a guy in the pocket who they can pull the trigger on whenever. So in the interim, let's see if other things work, and if they don't, we can go to the surefire thing. And from a business perspective, I do get that. I wouldn't say it's something that I think that they've made huge habit of, though. What do you think? I don't know that they. I I I just think they can't like break out of whatever long-term plan that they have. That's right. Yeah. You know, they I, I don't think it's purposefully holding people back so much as just being stubbornly committed to a decision that you already made. And I think there's no better example of that right now than like Rusev. Rusev is the sure. most over person on television. He really is. By far. Yep. Far and away. Yep. Like we have wanted to love him for so long, so long, and we have finally been given the opportunity to. And what are they doing with him? Nothing. He ate the pinfall this week. Like, look, if you're going to have Rusev Day lose a match against Brizango, that's fine. Yeah. But Aiden English is taking that pin. Yeah. They did not do that this week. Fandango pinned Rusev. I, I, I heard about this. And yeah. then afterwards, they immediately cut to a backstage segment where Daniel Bryan said, Wow, isn't it amazing how Brizango connects with our audience? No, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Rusev connects. It, it couldn't be more clear. Is it possible that they're just on delay, so they're still reacting when people are really into fashion files? Yeah, maybe. And now it's or maybe they're just trying to hold it so that, like, if they do decide to do something with Rusev, it doesn't peak before WrestleMania. That's what I think it is for the record. I hope you're right, though, but I have just seen so many examples of them stubbornly ignoring things to have to believe that you're wrong, unfortunately. Justin, our final question this week comes to our friend from our friend at Lorenzo Ma- Meow. Doug, Doug crap. crap. And Doug asks, who is the worst in-ring attire of all time, and why is it Road Dog Jesse James? Um, Road Dog's gear is dope. Look, I'm going to go with just uh, somebody who I saw for the first time uh, in the gauntlet match. Oh, yeah. At Wrestle Kingdom 12, and that's Bad Luck Fale. <laughs> You're not a fan of the big Oh, onesie? my God, the worst. The coveralls? No, awful. <laughs> somebody in my group chat was like, Fale needs to make the swap to like the viscera style, just garbage bag jacket. <laughs> Big Daddy V. Yeah, because like, what a dumpy sack of crap, and his outfit does him no favors. Can I say Fale looked a lot bigger in person? Like he, he's a yeah, big boy, sense. dude. Remember when we saw Lars Sullivan in person? Yeah, holy cow, that was a big boy. Yeah. Uh, worst attire. Uh, I'm going to say, I know some people were making fun of people complaining about this, but Okada wrestling in pants did bother me. And the pants were so goofy. I hate, okay, you're with me here. Everybody hates those pants. You got a lot of people on your side. Okay, but I saw people be like, who cares who's wearing pants? I'm like, I, I thought it looked dumb. I didn't like his pants. I'm not saying it's the worst ring attire of all time. I'm just saying for a guy who generally has like such great, like some of the best gear, I thought he looked a little silly. Uh, worst of all time. I mean. Basically, everybody from the Attitude Era looks like shit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Thrasher my, and Mosh. Uh, oh, God, good one. Uh, I, but my pick's going to go Scotty Too Hotty. Uh, the blonde hair coming out of the visor is uh, is ground zero for atrocious. In late 90s, it was quite a look, though. Bud. You're not kidding, bud, yeah. Uh, uh, did you ever wear a visor? Did you own a visor? No, I don't think so. Me neither, yeah. but I remember them. Do you ever want kids to wear them upside down? I did, though. I, I, I rocked the goggles like Brian Christopher. Did you really? Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yeah. 
Oh, um, yeah. Love those goggles, man. Justin, I made it through the episode. Yeah, you did. You're still awake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how was it? Was it a good episode? I think so. I mean, we, we went very in-deep on yeah. Wrestle Kingdom 12. But it I deserved like it. It deserved it, and that's what the fans wanted. Good. It's what they expected, and we do nothing here if not give the people what they want. I do have one last point to make oh, about yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. When I was talking about the presentation earlier, there was one man who I meant to compliment above all others. Oh, please go ahead. I and that is... Don Callis. Yeah, Jericho's best friend. Yeah, uh, it was a great night for for Winnipeg boys all around, but uh, Don Callis was what you want a color commentator to be. He was genuinely funny. He was a great heel uh, throughout the night. Uh, like He was like exactly what JBL or Booker or fucking Corey Graves even to an extent. Like Just that act perfectly distilled into its top... like possible form what it should be yeah like he said the things that i was thinking in my head at the time he made like like on point jokes through the night like it was a great show all around but i really enjoyed the commentary team kevin kelly was great and don Callis was like legit like one laugh out loud moment per match at least i'm really excited to rewatch. i'm gonna watch the card on sunday uh this week sunday night i have planned to set aside and watch it so i'm excited to hear I'll, the i'll come on over and, and i'd love that along with you I i'd think. love that yeah um yeah uh I, I keep feeling like there's there's little anecdotes i should tell about new japan but i guess i can just sprinkle them in throughout the next uh, couple weeks yeah uh I'll say that uh, Minoru Suzuki looks like the most haggard, tough man you've you've ever been around, and uh, I like that. Yeah, man. It was just a great, what a great show. <sighs> if you haven't seen it already, why are you still listening to yeah. us? Yeah, why, why, how did you get through this episode? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that any part all of this <laughs> would have been interesting <laughs> yeah. if well, you haven't seen the show. Uh, I want to also thank our listeners who sent me uh, well wishes uh, for the travels to Japan, wishing me safe travels and uh, all that sort of thing. That meant a great deal to me, and I hope you all had wonderful Christmases or New Year's holidays, whatever you're up to. Uh, and I was very excited to get back and do the show with yeah. my hashtag good friends. Yeah, you, you have never been more excited to do this show. You re- kept messaging me about it the whole trip. Dude, I walked out of wrestling. I think I said this at the top of the show. I walked out of wrestling to being like, I wish I'm, I was going to do the show right now. I'm ready right to do now. it right now. Yeah. Like, and that feeling lingered until right now. Yeah, man. It was... Uh, it was a hell of a time. And I also want to thank the listeners who had positive feedback about our year in review shows yes, in the last yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, a little bit different from what you and I typically do, of course. But uh, thank you to the people for enjoying them. Thank you to Caitlin Hotchkiss as well for sure, joining us yeah. for it. It was a great time. We very much enjoyed doing that. And uh, look forward to it again in 51 weeks' time. Oh, you're so good at counting. I forget this. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that will do it for this yeah. week's episode Until of Top Until then. <laughs> We have some advice for the people. Yeah, let's just uh, let them know that uh, even though it's pouring rain here in Vancouver, you can go on in your life and be hot. And uh, maybe, you know, add a little fucking wasabi to your dish. Hey, very Japanese. spicy as well. And if you do that, you know it's guaranteed to taste great. Because you're Curry Man! Wah, 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 Titus Worldwide! Hey, they got to push this week. Yeah, the yeah, they 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 won a big match. What happened? Uh, fuck, who were they even up against? I can't remember. But like they, the team of uh, Apollo and Titus. Yeah, they won a big match against the Bar. Really? Yeah. Was it a? G- we can talk about next week, I guess. Yeah, they beat Cesaro and Sheamus. Fuck yeah, Titus! Hell yeah! Fuck yeah, Titus! 